Thanks for joining us here, Wager Rager. D nice here with Tasty and Yanni. Tasty, what's going on, man? I think we might talk about your Vikes on the show this week. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about them and we'll see how that goes, I guess. It's about damn time, right? It is. We we have yeah. ignored them. Well, except for the fact that I bring them up every freaking time we talk. So, but other than that, we've ignored them. They probably would have made the cut last week, but they're on a bye week, right? They for sure would have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So finally gonna make the cut this week. Yanni, what's going on? I am ready to talk some football. I know you're hyped about baseball right now, but yeah. uh, I'm focused on football. Still, still focused on football. I've made uh, plenty of bets, but I, yeah, no, I uh, did not watch for the first time ever an ounce of football on Sunday. And I told Tasty today that, like, even the two weeks I was in Africa a few years ago, like, I found a way to like stream it and everything like that. But the Phillies were in the NLCS. I was at the game, crazy game, and uh, got home. It was like 9, 930 at night. I was like, dude, I'm not even going to turn this on. I'm just going to go to bed right now. So Phillies in the World Series. We're here to talk uh, football, though. But do you guys want to give Houston Astros or Phillies predictions? And you could just say the Phils, and then we can move on to enjoy our lives after that. Phillies in four. Phillies in the sweep. Yep. Phillies. Phillies. Phillies in five, but I'm thinking multiple home runs from Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt comes back out of retirement, or maybe just Harper has like two home runs and a closer at game five. I've been saying Phillies in six, but we'll see. Houston, damn good team, but sometimes you hit a team that doesn't know that they're they're not supposed to be that good, and things happen, kind of like the Giants right now, right? So good segue into recapping week. What the hell was it? Seven. Seven? seven and now we're on to week eight it's what happens when you don't have nfl on your screen on on sunday but week seven we saw the giants win again we saw the jaguars go down because that's just what they've been doing for about a month straight now we saw the bears guys mess up our teasers yanni i don't know if we're ever going to hit a teaser again at this point i'll tell you what (laughs) that Patriots loss was is mind scratching is I can recall in a while that that should not have happened. No. And I think that for me, that's the biggest shocker in terms of a result on the year. There, there could be other ones. And I know that the Pats aren't even really, you know, a contender or an above 500 team. But that was a game that I said, OK, this defense has looked good, really good in the past month. They're at home. They've got extra rest. Chicago looks terrible. Tasty, you had Chicago at what three wins on the season? They're somehow at three already. How did that I happen? Sure did. <laughs> two to two to three, actually. So they're two already to three. at the yeah, the ceiling of where I had them projected. So hopefully they'll be reverse sweeping the rest of the season. Something tells me that they're going to end up with like four wins. And this is just going to be the fluke. Maybe teasers will come back to the norm. We'll come back to normal. Yanni, high level thoughts of what you saw this past week, thoughts about the league in general, or just kind of what you expected and let's go on to week eight. Yeah, I think we can probably go on to week eight. And the only reason I say that is I don't know that we learned a whole lot in week seven that we didn't know the previous week. We saw a lot of the same across the league. Uh, you know, we we saw teams struggle that have been struggling. I, I, you know, referenced teams like the Bucks and the Pack, which we talked about the previous week. We saw some other teams that we maybe were surprised, but they kind of kept going, Giants, Jets. So we're, we're kind of 
I, I feel like those topics and storylines are kind of carrying over right now, week to week. Still not completely convinced that that means that that's what we're going to get from these teams for the rest of the way. But at least between week six and seven, there wasn't a whole lot out there that caught my attention. Casey, do you agree with that? Didn't catch your attention too much? I mean, we, we've had to... Uh, the point that Yanni just made, we've had the Packers struggle for weeks now. We've had the Bucks struggle for weeks now. We've had the Broncos go from two to one to now two and five and essentially out of it. And I think that's just kind of for me, it's like, ho-hum. Like if you would have told me, you know, a month ago that this would be it, I'd say, oh, okay. But now that we have a few weeks of practice here, it's like, all right, I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah, I think – there's probably not a ton more to talk about. The only two other two things that stuck out to me real quick is one, the Seahawks continue to impress um, beating the chargers by double digits. I think it's impressive. And so they continue to step up in my mind. And then the other thing is just the questions about the Cowboys offense uh, with or without Dak, but, but with Dak, um, I know it was his first game back, but going up against the lions and scoring, you know, a lot of their points in garbage time, um, I'm just wondering what that offense is going to turn into. So those are just two things that stuck out to me from the week. For sure. Seahawks, we talked about it on your show this morning. Follow NBA Attack and his podcast. I had three picks. I almost went 3-0 last week, but the teaser and the Pats pulled it up. But we talked about Seahawks, one of the biggest shockers. If you had to pick Yanni Jets or Seahawks as the biggest shocker to you right now, what would you say? Oh, Seahawks, 100%. I, yeah. I did not think this team was going to be competitive um, I, I thought the Jets had a chance to be a decent football team. Seahawks, I didn't think had it. So definitely for me, Seahawks all the way. I honestly thought the Seahawks were going to be a three to five win team. It was like, okay, Same. Russ is gone. I know that Russ was hurt last year, but Russ is still an MVP caliber player. <laughs> Maybe he's not. And now he's doing exercises on planes as he's going to London. I can say this, guys. If we ever fly together, please don't pull any of that shit. Don't be working out in the aisles. <laughs> Just sit down and we can talk about sports and gambling, but don't be causing a scene, please. I would um, imagine TSA would probably have something to say about it if you were doing knee races <laughs> in the aisle on your flight. So. Probably would land the plane at the closest airport. It'd be like, we're putting this thing down in Kansas City and we're not making it to Vegas. So, But we do need to make a Vegas trip for sure. Anyways, uh, we'll do a WTF segment. The games that we're going to get into this week in about a few minutes here is going to be Cards, Vikings, Raiders, Saints, Raiders, Upstart. Saints keep putting up points, not necessarily winning, but putting up points. Niners, Rams, we already saw this game a few weeks back on Monday Night Football. Both teams are not in chaos mode and not identity crisis mode, but they, they really need a win right now, especially the Niners, because if they go to three and five for the second season in a row, I'm sure those fans won't be pleased. And then Giants, Seahawks made the cut. We'll skip the Eagles this week. They're favored by double digits. We'll skip the Bills this week. They're favored by double digits against the Packers. That's, that's something that's just um, – that's not something that I would have expected. But, Yanni, your bills are favored by 11, and I wouldn't be shocked if that keeps going up. And if Rodgers falls by three touchdowns, I'm going to start saying, is this it for Rodgers? So hopefully your bills can keep it going, Yanni. Hope so. Uh, you know, kind of we talked last week about that Bengals and Falcons game and similar concept in my mind, I, you know, 
you want to give Rodgers and the pack the benefit of the doubt and think that they'll be able to kind of be competitive because, hey, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's prime time. Yep. But at the end of the day, this one could get ugly. It could. It could get very ugly. Could get pretty ugly for the Packers season. So speaking of ugly, let's go into the WTF segment. We'll go. Who wants to start us off? Yanni or Tasty? I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to let you give your what the fuck first. Whoever wants to go first. Don't all jump. I mean, I've, I've got one. I don't know about you, Yanni. No, you go for it. Go first. Yanni. All right. And Tasty. Tasty, you go first. Here's mine. What the fuck is up with my preseason Broncos take? <laughs> Yeah, because you had a before, what, over before the season. I, wins, I win the division. talked with you guys, and I made the case that they were going to challenge for the division. Now that yeah. did assume that Russ was actually going to be good. Uh, I was half right because I said that they would have a good defense, which is pretty true. Yeah, but then no, I also said true. that Russ would provide leadership, and that would help the offense. And that has not been anywhere close to true. So, hall, hall of shame on that take, man. Yeah, what the fuck indeed. Look, I didn't think that the Broncos were going to win the division, but I did agree with you and said, okay, there's, I think there's value in that number. And I think it was at like plus 260 or something. And I was like, all right, I'll take the Broncos or Chargers. I'll take the Broncos over the Chargers because Russ has that experience. They might not let Russ back on the plane from London this weekend. <laughs> <They might not. laughs> but like, hey, just do your fucking workouts in London and we're going to toss you into the. Is it the Thames River there? I'm showing my lack of geography. They'll find knowledge. a river somewhere. They'll Whatever find a river to throw them in. But the Broncos are not going to make the playoffs, and they are not very good. Yanni, WTF from you. So I had a few, but I narrowed it down. And, and I'm going to go, and I'm also going to say Hall of Shame for one of my preseason selections as well. And, and mine's going to be the Indianapolis Colts. I was very high on this team. And not that I – not that I don't think that this team still could be okay, but I have a I have a what the fuck on how they're handling the situation with the quarterback position there. So Matt Ryan obviously has not played well. He's made some bad turnovers. He hasn't looked great. I get it. You wonder when situations like that happen, is this coming from the owner? Is this coming from the head coach? I don't know. I, you know, I, I worked in corporate America at one time where the manager to save his own hide would throw the lower manager under the bus. Right. Yeah, and and I sure. feel like, you know, Frank Reich is kind of deflecting here and saying, ah, oh, you know, it's Matt Ryan's fault that we suck. So we're going to bench him and, and almost take some of that glare off of what's going on with this team. Because I promise you the dysfunction in that team, isn't just the quarterback position. They have not played well defensively. Their offensive line has not been good. They didn't address getting another weapon outside of Michael Pittman there. So I, I think there's a lot of dysfunction there. And I think Ryan is the guy that's having to fall on the sword here. Yes, he deserves criticism, no doubt. Hasn't played well, but I don't think it's his fault. But my problem, my what the fuck of what I have with here is if you're the Colts and you have a veteran team and you're basically a game out, there's, you know, we're not even halfway through the season yet. Yeah, they're 500, kinda, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, why are you going to kind of – I, I don't want to say throw in the towel because we don't know what we're going to get from Sam Allinger, but in, in essence, you're, you're, you're seeing what you got from a, we'll call him a rookie quarterback. He's not technically a rookie, but we're, you're in that, see what you yeah, got stage when you're purposes. basically a game out. I, I don't get that. If you're going to pull the plug on the Matt Ryan experience, which I don't agree with, but if you are, 
I go with Nick Foles. Let's see if he can get this team moving on offense. Let's see if they can get something going. If you get to a spot three or four weeks down the road where you're still losing games and you're falling behind, yeah, throw Ellinger in there. See what he can do the rest of the year. But why are you making that move now? It just makes no sense to me. I don't get it. I don't like it. And not just because my season over win total on the Colts is not going to cash. I don't get it overall. I think it's a bad move. Really good call. I couldn't agree more. I have Colts exposure. I had over win totals at nine and a half. I had, what was it? 11 to one or 12 to one to get the one seed. Now I have the Eagles as the one seed also. And I think the wall hit that knock on wood at 16 to one, unless tasty, the team name that you have on your hat comes in somehow climbs into contention there and takes them out though. So we do have the tie break, but the Colts it's like, Okay, I have all this exposure. I was pretty high on them. And I even said after that shitty start that they were 3-2-1. and one, I was like, look, they can still write the ship. They have an above 500 record. This division is not good. And then you go head-to-head against the Titans and you lose again. And you lose 13-0 first half. Hats off to us for calling Titans in the first half again, guys. But it's just getting kind of old. And like, I'm a Frank Reich fan. Obviously, he was here in Philly and he won the Super Bowl. We didn't want to see him go. But I, I disagree with that move entirely. I guess they're they're really done with Matt Ryan. Is that how Matt Ryan goes out of this league? Just back up for a, a sub? No, it's not even a sub 500 team. It's a 300. Um, It's a 3-3-1 three, three and one 500 team in a season that's still not lost. And the Titans are only a game up. It sucks, guys. That's why we're not talking about him this week, the Colts and Commanders, because it's like I'm just beating a dead horse. Like they're not fun to talk about. Did you guys do anything on that game, Colts Commanders? Because I I was considering the under honestly, and I just said punt it because I don't even want to watch these teams. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a punt for me as well. I you know I think that the Commanders have a little bit of value with Taylor Heineke at the quarterback position, believe it or not. But Scrambles in this around. spot, I, I mean. You know, I don't know. And of course, like we said, we don't know what we're going to get from Ellinger there. I mean, he, he, in his rookie season in the preseason looked horrendous this preseason, he looked great. So, you know, obviously maybe they saw something in preseason and, and felt like, Hey, we got to get, give this guy a shot again. I don't agree with it, but because of the unknown, I, it, it's a pass for me. I think you got two mediocre at best teams going at it at this point with backup quarterbacks agreed 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 enough on the Colts we'll move on maybe we'll cover them again this season but they're a sore spot right now let's move on to our games for this week and let's kick it off with Cardinals and Vikings Vikings currently at home three and a half point favorites I thought I saw four earlier but I might be wrong I'm just seeing three and a halfs across the board paying across over under 48 and a half there are some 49s out there right now I have zero exposure on this game Maybe one of you can talk me into something here. I sort of thought the Vikings coming off of a bye might be favored by a little bit more, but Tasty, the Cardinals came in last week, put up a 42 spot against the Saints defense that is not doing anything right now. And all of a sudden the Cardinals see themselves in this spot saying, hey, this season isn't over. Let's go into Minnesota and make some noise. What are you doing with this for your lovely Vikings, Tasty? Well, I pretty much doubt I'll bet it. Though I will say I had in my bet slip earlier tonight and then decided to delete it, uh, the commanders and the, and the Cardinals of four and a half point tees. Okay. Getting them both above seven. Um, so I want to be hopeful. I really do. 
but the Vikings defense just hasn't shown me much. And I think it is hard to overestimate how important DeAndre Hopkins is for that team. I don't have him in front of me, but you go, I've read a couple of things this week of the numbers for Kyler Murray with and without him. And it's just dramatic. And I think the Cardinals, if you think back to last year, the year before, at least for me, I always thought of them as a team that had the potential to go in any game because of having a high powered offense. I didn't necessarily trust Kingsbury then either, or think they were the best team. But they were one of these teams, almost like Seattle is now, where it's like, yeah, you know, they probably could have a chance in any game. I kind of think that they come back to at least that kind of form this season. I don't think they're going to win this division. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs still. But I think they're going to be a lot more competitive. And if the Vikings can't pull it together on defense, I think this is the kind of team that can take it to them. I was looking at the Cardinals team total. I think it was over 21 and a half which I really don't mind at all either because I think they can, I think the way the Vikings win this game is to finally get a breakout game offensively. Cause honestly, they haven't been scoring that well, even with all of the talent that they have. So I think the way they win the game is they score 31 points. Um, I don't know if they'll do that or not. Uh, I, I saw some coach rankings from PFF or, or someone earlier this week where Kevin O'Connell was in like the bottom seven so far this year for coaching decisions. I don't know that all that that was based on, but the Vikings have underperformed even at five and one, I think based on the talent that they have. And so I think this is a trouble spot for them actually, unless they come out and look better in those two facets than they have before the break. It does seem like a game that if the Vikings want to prove to everybody that they're for real, they'll come out, take care of this, get to six and one win by 10 points. You look at their grades overall, pretty solid team. Pro football focus, second to last in coverage grade. And if they don't shore that up here on the bye week, guess who's going to kill them? Hopkins and the Cardinals set of pretty damn good receivers. Tasty, to your point, Kyle looks a lot better with Hopkins. And they're probably going to screw around and end up at like eight and nine, probably not in the playoffs. But if you told me that they squeaked into a seven seed, I'd say, okay, because they can be frisky, frisky offense, a defense that isn't always awful. And that's why they find themselves at three and four right now and had a chance to beat the Eagles. They missed a kick late. That's just kind of what the Cardinals do. And they screwed up a fourth down call, but that's what Cliff does. And that's why they're three and four. And that's probably why they'll be eight and nine. Yanni, did you do anything on this game? And if so, why? I haven't done anything yet. I first of all, I I think Tasty absolutely nailed it, and and I know the Vikings are his team, so he he probably knows better than than we do what's what the scoop is here. But I, I think what he said is right. I think the Hopkins returning is huge for for Arizona. I think their offense will look much better than it did earlier in the season. And I've said it on here that that Vikings defense to me is such it's so mind boggling. You look at the you look at the individual pieces and you say this defense should be really good. Um, and they just haven't played that well. And then you flip to the offensive side and he's right. That offense hasn't hit their stride. Now they're finding ways to win. So obviously, as a as a team, as a coach, that's what you want to do. And I think that that could be what happens here again this week is they find a way to win maybe a close game. But I think four points is too many. I think if you're betting this game, I I think the Cardinals over the key number three, to me, that's the play because even though this Vikings offense on paper looks phenomenal, they're not blowing anybody out. I mean, they're playing close games. They're winning close games. 
And I feel like if they win this week, it's going to be another close game. So I, I would take the four, but I would say this, if you're one of those people that loves playing, you know, live dogs, you guys are right. I think, I think the Cardinals are absolutely a live dog this weekend. I don't know if I would trust them to get it done. I think I, for me, I would take the points, but I could certainly understand that pick. I, I think the Vikings end up winning a really close two, three point game here. I'm on board with all of that. If for some reason this gets to four, four and a half, and I highly doubt that happens, I'm going to take the Cardinals. Tasty, I like that look, teasing the Cardinals up. I know that either the Cardinals or who else did you have in that tease? Commanders. commanders. One of those teams are going to screw it in the end. Like They'll both be down by two, and then something happens that the commanders actually lose a game to the Colts, who are awful. But I do like that look. The... This is an interesting stat. Opponent yards per play on the season, how much you're giving up per play. Dead last, Detroit Lions 6.4. Atlanta Falcons 6.2 right behind them. I think that's expected. And then right underneath them, Minnesota Vikings, six yards per play that they're giving up. A couple other teams in there also at six. Tennessee, I kind of would expect them to be lower. Houston and Seattle, not shocks there at six yards per play. So I I think that this is going to end up being a, a Vikings team that is in that that 10 to 11 win range, 12 at the high side. We should probably take a look at schedules at some point here, but tasty. I'm thinking that they get it done, but it's going to be a close game and maybe you'll be sitting at six and one, man. I'd take it. I mean, if they win by a quarter of a point, I'm good with it. You know, I'll I'll take a win (laughs) any way we can get it. Take the good old quarter point win. Anything. (laughs) Is there anything that I missed there? If not, let's move on to New Orleans. For Raiders Saints, Raiders Saints talking to Royals team here, Tasty, talking Raiders who've climbed back in after that they were staring down Ofer. We've got the Saints at home, one and a half, two-point dogs at some spots. Mainly one and a half. You can get a cheap one and a half if you like the Raiders. Over under at 49 and a half. There were some 50s earlier. Full disclosure, guys, for all the audience. We've hit the over. I think one of you is 47. That might be JJ. I've got 47 and a half. We're on the overs. Tasty, I think you're on the first half over, right? Uh, I'm on the first half over 24, yep. Okay, so you're liking the over here. How do you see this game playing out? Pretty evenly matched, I think, overall. Dalton has has been named the starter. Maybe that happens, and he's the starter for the rest of the season. He's looked pretty good that they're moving the ball. Raiders are moving the ball also and giving up points. I think that's why we all like the overs. But what went into that first half over in your handicap? Well, a lot of it is taking time to look at how these teams are performing in each half, both offensively and defensively. And this is just a game where new Orleans and the Raiders have both been good offensively lately in the first half, and they haven't been good defensively. I think the interesting thing for me in this game is who do the saints get back? Because I still think that their defense when healthy should be, should be decent, maybe not best in the league, but should be decent. And so I do think that has the potential to derail the over a little bit, but I mean, if you pull up the injury report, uh, I mean, there's just so many people who are questionable for the Saints. It's I've still got, ugly, man. It's still you know, really seven ugly. Seven or eight questionable, two probable. So that so, Landry didn't practice again, right? So that Thomas didn't practice again. I mean, it's ugly for him. Yeah, it is ugly. But I mean, if they get some of those people back then maybe things start to turn around for them a little bit. I do I do really like 
I said, so I, I did a futures thing this week and I just said, I still think you can't count out the Raiders for that last playoff spot. I still think they have a ton of talent offensively. They, I mean, especially with the way Josh Jacobs is performing and what that offensive line is doing for him. I just don't think you can count them out even against decent defenses. Um, I, I like the way that the defense showed up last week, especially with the pass rush uh, that felt like a strength. And so I think this, we talked, we've talked about how there's so many teams all bunched up in the middle this year. And I think the Raiders are solidly in that group, maybe even on the above the middle line of that group. So I'm not saying they will get there, but this is a team that I think is decent. And especially if the Saints still have some defensive pieces out, I like a lot of points here. I like a lot of points also. I couldn't tell you who's going to win the game. We'll go to Yanni next also, but I'll just say that I, I totally agree with your stance that I think that the Raiders could inch into that playoff spot. We thought that they would be not contenders, but they would have competitive games, but we ruled them out of a playoff spot early on in the season or preseason, I should say, because they play what we thought was three of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. The Broncos now have removed themselves from that situation. So now it's like, okay, there's two winnable games there. They already beat them once. They could definitely beat them again. And it's like, they're moving the ball. The Raiders defense has some talent also. And it's like, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up like last year with nine, 10 wins and get in Yanni. Are you liking that over? Or are you liking this Raiders surge right here? Yeah. I, I, again, I'm with you guys. I, you got to look at it this way. You, you've got a Raiders team. When, when a team starts out, zero and four, um, it, you know, and they're struggling there, you, you, whether they're a good team or not, you probably have a little bit of value circling back with them because they're going to find a way to win some games. I think in the Raiders case, you have a lot of value with them because you can look and say they were not an 0-4 team despite their record, you know, when you look at their talent and what they're able to do. So I think inherently they're probably undervalued going out, you know, at any point when you start like that. And I think we're starting to see that the last couple of weeks here. Um, This isn't the same Saints defense that we're used to seeing. Josh Jacobs could have another big game here. I think that they get Darren Waller back this week. So I think offensively, they're going to be fine throwing the football there. Um, You know, the Saints haven't had much of a pass rush. I I just think, again, the losses and the Saints losses defensively over the years, it's been one at a time. Like, it's not like they're like, oh, we lost five players. It was, oh, we lost Trey Hendrickson here. We, you know, we lost whoever here. And it was like one at a time but they haven't really replaced those guys the way that they've needed to. So as a result, that defense is just not as stout as it was three years ago, two years ago. So I do like the Raiders in the spot. I think that you can play the chalk on the road there. I mean, it's only what one and a half at most books here. So I I think you can lay that there. And I absolutely love the over in this game as well. And look, there are people that will tell you that CLV is the end all be all. And if you miss the 47, you're a fool for betting this at 49 or 49 and a half. I I disagree. I think this number, even if you didn't get the 47, I think this is playable, you know, basically up to 50 and a half here. So I still think the over is playable here. I think we do see a lot of points Um, to to Tasty's point. Marshawn Lattimore, Lattimore is a big key in this game. He, he really dictates what that team can or can't do on defense if he's back, okay, maybe he can lock up Devonta Adams a little bit. Maybe the game the game changes a little bit. If he's not out there, it's a free for all on that Saints defense at that point. So 
if he's out, I think, you know, that over for sure is in play. Even if he's in, I think the over is in play. But I, like I said, I just like it all that much more if Marshawn Lattimore is not in the game. So anyways, I think, again, watch that injury report. I'm definitely on the Raiders side here. I'm definitely on the over, basically up to 50 and a half. So that, that's kind of my take. I agree. Don't bet anything above that key number of 51. Will we get there? Who knows? It's already surged from, I think the opener was 47, unless some book opened 46 and a half, but it's, it's gotten bet up. Give me 27, 24 Raiders and the Raiders continue their, their surge here. I was just taking a look at win totals, the saints on the season. And this is at FanDuel currently on Wednesday evening. Saints are down to six and a half over under on their win total. Pretty damn low. Raiders are at seven and a half, kind of lean over. Got to take another look at the schedule. Raiders to make the playoffs plus 280, Tasty, plus 280. You might be able to get a better number out there. But that's that's not a bad number to just no. store in your back pocket. No, it's not. And I will say, I mean, this is something that I've been doing a lot of work with, with the schedule and, and you features have. and stuff. And, you and have. same thing where for me, I actually have their floor at seven wins and I think it takes, and I think it takes nine probably to get into the seven seed, maybe 10, but I have their ceiling at 11. I mean, I don't think they get there. That's, that's kind of the point, but I'm just saying like, if you look through their schedule, I think there's only two games. I expect them. I I really think they won't win. And that's San Francisco and Kansas city. The last two games, last two games, the rough way to finish. Yeah, Right. But every game up until then, like, I don't think there's a single, like their toughest game is Seattle, maybe New Seattle, England. Seattle, like, the Chargers in it's Las all Vegas. winnable games for them. Yeah, a Thursday nighter on a short week at Rams, December eighth will be difficult for sure, and they might yeah, not necessarily sure. be, be favored. But who knows what the Rams are doing? Like if they keep having injuries, or if they're just so down and out, they're like Stafford, take a week off on a short week. Who knows? Like I mean, it's just a league that has these teams that were big time contenders last year, not contenders. Tasty. I, I do like that Niners and chiefs to close the season. It might very well end up being the case that they need to win one of those games somehow to get in. And so we'll see what happens, but maybe they rattle off and the wins right here, get themselves to like, I don't know, eight and four all of a sudden. Then you're like, all right, sitting pretty with that plus two eighty, shopping around. I'm sure that there's a uh, three to one out there somewhere. So in your back pocket, all right. Good stuff. Talking about the Raiders as they had that, that not so hot start, but you figured that they would come back, especially after they, they blew that game against the Cardinals. They probably should have another win on that one. Right. Let's do Niners Rams next two teams that need this win pretty badly. Niners Rams. We've got the Niners as one and a half point favorites right now, over under 42 and a half, ticking up to 43 some spots right now. Rams are at home. Rams are underdogs. Rams are looking bad. Yanni, I think you have a whale play on a team here. I'm pretty sure that you came on and they, that you're probably going to have a whale play on something here. And I think I know where you may go, but how do you see this one playing out? 700 unit wager, man. Whale play, ring the alarm. It's Boom. This is a big one. Boom, it's a 700-unit banger right here. (laughs) I mean, you guys know when when you're betting a a season, uh, it doesn't even matter what sport, but when you're betting the NFL, you don't want to get too excited or discouraged with what you're doing throughout the year. You want to try to stay even. But for me, there's always two or three games throughout the course of the season that pop up where you're just like, you know what? 
everything's lining up the way that I like it here. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out. I mean, I had one of those last year that didn't work out. So I, you know, I can't sit there and and put that whale play lock out there, but, but I do (laughs) think that this game to me, I feel as strongly is, is any game I can recall in the last couple of years in terms of betting. And I love, love, love the 49ers in this spot. I, I, you know, I saw them on the look ahead line, bet them on the look ahead line. And then I bet them again, um, you know, afterwards. So I'm all in on San Francisco this week. I think that this game is probably not close enough to the, enough to the point where I think you could even sell some points if you wanted to do a minus two and a half, minus six and a half, minus nine and a half, depending upon how how much you want to return. But, but that's, that's how much I like San Francisco in this game here. This to me is a total, total mismatch. So first of all, San Francisco beat them earlier in the year by 15 points. And since that game, I think the Rams have actually regressed and gotten worse. They've had some injuries. They haven't looked very good. And I think we can look at the Niners and say they're now getting to a point where they're healthy. Of course, we know they added Christian McCaffrey, who's now going to have a little bit of a game plan and probably a little bit more of a prominent role. So you can say they beat them by 15 the first go around. San Francisco is probably better this time around. The Rams are probably less. So to me, when you look at that spread, I mean, are, are we giving, what are we giving for home field advantage for the Rams here? Is it just because it's a divisional game and San Francisco's record isn't that great? That's the only thing I can see here, but it, it just, it, it makes no sense to me. You, you break down, the Rams are not going to be able to run the ball. San Francisco is is as good as it gets this year in the league at stopping the run. The Rams really didn't run the ball well anyways. They're not going to be able to run. That basically puts everything on Matthew Stafford behind a deteriorating offensive line that wasn't good to begin with. You don't think that that Nick Bosa and that defense is going to be swarming? I mean, this could be one of those games where Stafford has three, four picks and, you know, I mean, beat up. I mean, who knows? He Just leaves the game finishes. early because it's yeah, such a it, blowout. Yeah, it, exactly. No, I agree with you. Exactly. And then you flip to the other side of the ball. I don't know that San Francisco is going to be able to just dominate that Rams. They're a good defense. They're a proud defense. I mean, I I don't think it's going to be a slaughter, but I think that what will happen is as the game wears on, particularly if the Rams don't get anything over, get get anything going offensively or they turn the ball over, eventually that defense is going to kind of wear out. and, And, you know, I think this one gets away from them. Maybe it's close in the first half. I don't know. But I think by the end of this game, San Francisco comfortably wins this game. Again, total mismatch to me. Um, I think that, you know, if you're ever, if you're ever in a situation where you look and you say, I don't see there's any way that this other team can stay within 14 points and you're looking at a minus one and a half spread it, it, to me, it's, it's, it's San Francisco all day. And, and like I said, we'll revisit this in a week and I'll either be feeling really good about what happened, or I'm going to be shaking my head and saying, maybe I don't know what I'm doing here, but I really, 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 really like San Francisco this week. No, you know what you're doing, Yanni. You came on a few weeks ago as the Niners were playing, saying that you like the Niners over the Rams, and I agree. Since that point, the Rams have regressed. They are coming off of a bye week. The Niners, not that a team never doesn't want to win, but they're coming off of an ugly loss at Atlanta where they turned the ball over. They're coming off that Chiefs loss, which the Chiefs are just an all-time offense right now. They're chomping at the bit. They know that they can gash that Rams offensive line. They know that they can jump out early. And to your point, even if they don't jump out early, they're, they're just going to wear at them, wear at them, wear at them. So even if you have a score that's like 10-6 at halftime, 
it might end up being 31 to six because they're just wearing at him. I don't think that that's the score, but I do think that uh, I like your bets. I rode the minus one and a half. I got a money line earlier in the week and, and you're convincing me also to, to sell some points out because in certain spots, tasty, like we've done with the bills. I know that JJ has done this at times, but teams where you see such a mismatch, it's like, okay, I'll take the spread. But also if you're going to give me that low spread, I'll take the plus points to cover six, six and a half points. Cause I think they win by seven to 10. So is that what you're thinking here too? Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm on board with Yanni. I see the same stuff that he does. Some of it is because he's pointed it out to be quite, quite honest, but yeah, but I think they're all in agreement I, with it too. Yeah. But, yeah. I do agree. Totally. I mean, so only two things I'll add and it's not major points, but, San Francisco to me is one of the few teams in the league, along with Philadelphia and the Bills, who you just say, I think this team, their defense could win a game, their offense could win a game. Yes. In in a certain situation, that kind of balance is not prevalent at all right now. And so I put a lot of stock in that for those teams. I think San Francisco ends up being the second best team in the NFC. And I think they probably have a good game of Philadelphia uh, to see who goes to the Super Bowl is where I'm at with them. The other thing I'll add is I'm on board. I, I mean, I bet the minus one and a half. I'm thinking about those, you know, alt spreads. I also, one of my three picks I shared on my show today is San Francisco. What was it? Minus a half in the first half. I think I like it. Um, yeah. And, and I, Yanni, what you said makes me a little nervous because I do agree that the Rams defense could be stronger in the first half until they get worn down. But at the same time, one of the things that I go through and look at is for the season and in the last three games, which teams have scored 14 or more and which teams have scored eight or less. San Francisco has scored 14 or more average over their last three, the Rams eight or less average over their last three in addition in terms of allowed points san francisco has allowed eight or less in the first half on the season so i think these teams come out and san francisco is a better first half team in addition to all the other stuff you said good points very good points i think that you guys have very classically laid out a case for this is a san fran spot and if they lose the game you know what? You didn't hear it here on the Wager Ranger podcast. <laughs> no, we'll put I, it in I, the bin with the Patriots from last week. <laughs> I love, I love those the the first half stats with the fourteen and over, the eight and less. I think that's really, um, you know, I think that's really good to point out there because again, you're it, it, it points to both the first half as you said, but also the overall. You've got a struggling offense firstly versus a team that's clicking a little better. And one last thing to point out is. In the NFL, you always hear the the next man up and you hear, oh, you know, this team's got, you know, their corners out. So the backup's got to come in and this offensive tackles out. The next guy's got to come in. To me, San Francisco doesn't necessarily fit that mold because the guys that they were missing are truly the best of the best. I mean, when you're without Trent Williams, it's not a next man up. You're not going to, I mean, the gap between Trent Williams and who you're putting in as his backup. It's is probably enormous. like a two to three point difference to the spread, honestly. Like that's it, it's what a I huge mean. And, difference. And, you know, same thing with Nick Bosa and to a lesser extent, George Kittle, but you're taking basically elite talent and saying next man up. It's not like it's, it's one thing when McGlinchey's out and you're saying, okay, we got to put our backup in. And, you know, there's a little bit of a fall off there. There is a massive difference between some of those San Francisco players that were missing time early in the season and getting back in. 
So I think when you look at that too, to me, you say, yeah, they get their starters back and maybe that counts for a little bit with this team. I think it counts a lot. That's, that's a, a really good point. Like say that this game is played. There's no Kittle. There's no Williams. There's no Bosa. What does that spread become? And I honestly think the replacement level players behind them, it's worth one to one and a half points for each. Kittle might be worth the least Trent Williams, the most tied with Bosa, but that could be what a five, six point swing. And that could be something to keep in mind that if they do go out again, that like, I'm not going to call them top heavy, but they're like top 20 players in this league that if that happened tasty, I think the Rams are favored by three to four points in this spot. So hopefully the Niners can stay healthy for our futures bets. I sure hope so too. I made my biggest futures bet. Well, since, since before the season, uh, this last week on the Niners. So very nice. I hope so very nice. We'll see. And I agree with you could definitely be Eagles and Niners in the NFC championship game, but don't count out the Vikings that they've, they've got that two seed right now. Niners already playing at a deficit at three and four, you know, we want to pick up another Minneapolis miracle. I'll take it. I mean, I'm not going to turn it down, but hopefully it happens in the divisional round and then they go into Philly for the NFC championship game. And I'm not going to bring back those memories, but got a long <laughs> season you. to go here, a long season to go. Let's do our last highlighted game. And if you would have told me a month ago that giant Seahawks were it, I'd say, what kind of a podcast are you operating? But we're here with giants and Seahawks. Seahawks favored. They were favored by three about an hour ago. I'm just searching, making sure that nothing's changed as we're doing this live. Yes. Seahawks by three points painted across the board, actually getting a little bit expensive at Caesars at minus 120. That's going to be interesting to see if the Seahawks go to three and a half over under 44 and a half. Tasty came on your show this morning. I said that I like Seattle. I have Seattle minus three. Is it my favorite bet of the year? No, but high level. I just take a look at this and I say Giants, even if they weren't six of one, if they were one and six, I, I look at it and say, this looks like a schedule loss to me. They went to London, overachieved, came back, didn't take their bye, played the Ravens. I guess they overachieved or just achieved, went to Jacksonville. No weeks off here. Now they're coming back home, I guess. For a few days, then you go across the country to Seattle, a team that's moving the ball because Gino all of a sudden's a top five quarterback. And all of a sudden, Tasty, you got Seattle favored and looking like they're a contender in the NFC West. What are you thinking about this game, Tasty? Honestly, talking to you earlier today, I thought you had great thoughts on it. I, I am blown away by how good Gino has been. And the re- I think we have to give him credit at this point and say that he is actually playing at a really high level. Yeah. Uh, at, at the beginning of the season, I thought it was an aberration and he would regress. And I suppose that could still happen. I mean, he hasn't proven himself before this in his career. It's kind of an anomaly uh, for somebody this late in their career to play this well. At the same time, though, he's doing it week in and week out. I do think DK Metcalf being out, um, we don't know for how many games is certainly not helpful for the Seahawks. Uh, I think it's Marquise Goodwin, who's going to be their number two receiver. I heard someone say a few years ago, he had a better chance of doing long jump in the Olympics than he did playing on an NFL team. So (laughs) I'm not sure what that does to their offense, but uh, Kenneth Walker is playing amazing too. I know Yanni had him as the the DFS standout last week and nailed that. Nailed it. Um, 
I mean, I mean, this team can run the ball. They can throw the ball. I mean, they put up all those points against the Chargers, and I went and looked, and I think Geno had 190-some yards passing. So it's not like he has to go out, out there and put up 400 for them to put up a lot of points. The Giants' defense metrically has not been great. And so I think they are a defense that can get up, give up some points. And I'm not sure how the Giants look if they go down 14 or 17 to nothing at the beginning of this game. And all of a sudden, Daniel Jones has to just throw and you remove Saquon Barkley to some extent from the game plan. I think that's the way that the Giants get beaten badly here. If they keep it close, Giants have been playing well. Barkley's been great. So it could be a close game. But all the stuff you talked about, having it be in Seattle, uh, that's definitely the way I would lean here as well. Let's see what happens. The Seahawks, 6.6 yards per play against the Chargers last week. And Tasty, to your point, Geno Smith, just over 200 yards passing. So we've seen weeks where he's pushing like 400 yards passing, and they can do it through there. They can do it on the road. They can do it at home. And Yanni, great call with Walker last year, or last year, last week. Next year, I think he's going to be like a top three fantasy stud at this rate. Did you do anything with this game? Are you kind of leaning where we're at right here? Or is it just kind of one of those things that you're saying, hey, both teams are overachieving. It's a bad spot for the Giants. I guess it's a good spot for the Seahawks, but let me see what happens here because I don't really buy into this team. Or are you kind of a Seahawks lover right now? I, I haven't done anything with this game, and I'm I'm not sure that I will. I think that that line is probably you know spot on where it should be, in my opinion. Um, I, you know, the Giants just keep finding a way, and and you can call it luck, you can call it variance, you can call it coaching, you can call it whatever you want. They seem it's to happening. figure out, <laughs> yeah, they seem to figure out ways to get it done, but. You, you touched on it. It's, it's not a good spot for them having to go back across the country, although it hasn't seemed to bother them yet. Uh, but they've got to go across the country here, obviously play in a, a loud environment there. And the matchup isn't great for them on their defensive side of the ball. They've been pretty soft against the run. So I think you could actually play Kenneth Walker again this week if you're playing daily fantasy and potentially have another really nice outing from him. Um, I think Seattle's going to be able to run the ball. You know, you guys touched on DK Metcalf, whether or not he's going to be in the lineup, that still seemed like it's a 50-50 deal. Um, you know, Marquise Goodwin, yes, obviously he's a different receiver than DK Metcalf, but the guy can fly. You know, he can stretch the defense out there. And if you've got a guy taking the safeties deep, that opens it up for Kenneth Walker there. So I don't know that it's necessarily like a death blow that if DK Metcalf doesn't go there, although obviously they'd like to have him. Um, you know, I think the other part is when you look at that Giants defense, not only are they soft against the run, they're a pretty blitz heavy team. And if you look, Geno Smith has actually done as well against the blitz as basically any quarterback in the league. So if the Giants are bringing extra pressure there, you know, he's shown at least up to this point in the season that he can handle that. So I think Seattle's going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to score. On the other side, it's it's a little bit of a question of where do the Giants go? I mean, Daniel Jones was running like crazy last week. You guys touched on Barkley. That's the question mark to me is, is do the Giants keep up if Seattle starts scoring? That I don't know. I would lean to the home team here and lay the points if I were betting it. But at this point, I just, I feel like both of these teams are, I'm going to say disrespected by the books. And, and yeah. I think actually, you know, I, I don't, I don't even have the Giants as a top 20 team overall. And in, in, if I'm doing kind of my individual power rankings, 
I have them in the, you know, low 20s, 21, 22, as far as that, despite their record. But again, there's something there with that team that's disrespectful and, you know, I'm not going to do it. So that's why I said it's probably a pass for me, but but I would, if I had to, I would lay the points here with, with Seattle if I had to. Very good. I would not take anything over three. Like if it gets to three and a half, please don't bet it. I think that it could easily be 27-20 game and you would cover that three and a half, but it could also very easily be 27-24. The Giants just make these, not miracles happen, but they clamp up and they get it done in the fourth quarter. Saquon, you know, he's an elite talent. And Daniel Jones, he's trying to do his early Josh Allen career impression of just like running the ball a little bit sloppier and oafier looking. But, hey, he's getting it done at her six and one and they have a coach in Brian Dable that – damn good coach. And you put it all together. I was talking to you this morning, Tacey, and saying at this point, I mean, the Giants at six and one, I think they make the playoffs. And I think that the Cowboys get that five seed, the Giants get the six seed, maybe drop to a seven, but I think they get into the playoffs. They might not close the season, you know, the strongest they have the Eagles twice and a couple other tough games. They'll play the Cowboys again, but I think that they have it in them. I just think it's a bad spot on the schedule right here. Take a loss here, win my bet, and we'll move on, and we'll see what these two teams do. But, guys, we could have the Seahawks and the Giants in the postseason in two and a half months from now. Did you did you what see, you say did you see the, the interesting, uh, I guess, comment or stat that who knew when you look at the Week 8 schedule that the games of teams over 500, we'd be talking about Seattle and the Giants. And not Tampa Bay and Baltimore, not Buffalo and Green Bay. You know, you got all these, and here we are talking about the Giants and Seahawks to your point. But again, kudos to kudos to the Giants for finding a way to get it done, despite the fact that I still don't think they're a very good football team. And kudos to Seattle for gosh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, it was crazy. Pete Carroll said all along, Geno Smith looks good. He's our guy. And you know, we laughed, or at least I laughed at it. I laughed and, and, a lot. And yeah. Said, yeah, that that's a joke. And yeah, jokes on me. I mean, that's uh, you talk about eating crow. Geno Smith is making me and a lot of people eat crow at this point. He did it in week one against the Broncos. Russ came back and Geno said, Hey, you can get rid of Russ and you've got me here. I forget what his quote was, but something about they tried to write me off and I didn't write back. Is that what he said? <laughs> something along it. those lines and he's he's not writing back yet either. And quarterback rating in the league right now, like you Take a look at all the stats. He's a top three, top five quarterback. And let's see how the season plays out. But that uh, is something that I'm going to take away from the season and say, Geno Smith, likely Pro Bowl quarterback. And (laughs) the Seahawks, maybe the biggest overachieving season, if things hold firm. There's still only four and three. There's still plenty of season to play out. But if this team ends up with like nine, ten wins, ten wins, I'd say, that would be one of the biggest overachievements that I can recall in recent history. So hopefully I didn't just jinx the shit out of everything for Seattle fans, but that's kind of where my head is at right now, that big-time overachievers. So... Anything I missed? If not, we can uh, move on with our evenings. Tasty, is there anything I missed? If not, check out your podcast, your NBA stuff coming up. I've watched like zero NBA right now because I'm just in this like Phillies drunken madness zone, but uh, I'll be watching NBA soon. (laughs) It sounds like a good zone. It can be a good zone, except when you have to go to work on Monday and you're like, Uh, what did I do this weekend? Right. So that's tough. That's but tough. we have the NBA, right, Tasty? So we do. It's been yeah. an interesting start. Um, I'm letting things shake out for a week or two. 
That's the way to do it. The NBA is very volatile. I mean, I know we say that about all sports, but when you have the three, I know this is an NBA podcast, but three of the worst teams in the league who are going to be tanking on purpose coming in and starting out like three and oh or two and one i was like well shit maybe i should press the pause button for a minute see it let this settle in a bit (laughs) yeah i feel like these players a lot of times i mean it's still october on the calendar the season never used to start until like i remember like halloween at the earliest let's let these things play out let's get a few weeks of data kind of like baseball crunch it all together and then we'll come up with what's what there's teams that you thought would be good like the Sixers starting 0 and 3 I see they're losing again right now to the Raptors and let's let everything play out but follow Big Tasty at NBA Attack got a lot of good content going on Yanni DFS don't don't blow anything but give me one DFS play that you like for this week and it can be from your article or not Get, uh, yeah, I'll give it to you. Get Raheem Mostert in your lineup. I think two weeks ago it was Ramondre Stevenson. Last week it was Kenneth Walker. Uh, Again, you can play Kenneth Walker again and feel good about that. But Raheem Mostert, 5,900, I think is his salary. I'm expecting at least 100 and a touchdown out of him. So get get him in your lineup. And I just got to add, I don't do a whole lot of NBA, especially early in the season either. But what I've seen is James Harden doing some shimmying and throwing up bricks. Uh, Russell <laughs> yeah. Westbrook with an 0 for 10 brick performance. <laughs> Did and, you and see the layup? And some iron too. Did so you see the it, layup? It seems like business Yanni? as usual to start the season, at least from what I'm watching. <laughs> it's bad. If I don't know if you guys saw Russell Westbrook miss that layup. He had a put back off of a free throw that he rebounded and just got backboard and no rim. It was, I did it was see brutal. it, and I saw he got pissed off at some fan who called him trash or something. Like it, it's just ugly. They they needed to trade that guy away. He so, might be the worst so, former MVP ever, man. I know. I know. We want to wrap this up, and it's no, not it's an NBA, fine. but I, I've just got to ask one question: what I, what happened? And, and maybe Russell Westbrook wasn't as good as we thought or people said or whatever, but what happened to make him go from being that triple double, you know, kind of star of a franchise guy to a guy that can't hit a put back layup at this point? Like what, what happened? I, I don't get it. I'll probably let tasty go, but I'll, I'll just say that I always thought that he was good, a little bit overrated in terms of like MVP, like very athletic, maybe he's just aging now and could never really shoot that well. Tasty. Maybe it was never good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to say when people are airballing layups, to be honest. But how old is feels, he now? Oh, man, I actually don't know exactly how old he is. But but I agree with you. D. Like I think his 44. game was so predicated on athleticism and outworking people. And he was good at that. I actually do think Russell Westbrook. Yeah has been a really good NBA player. I just think he he has the kind of game that doesn't age well and doesn't fit in well to another team. So I think when he's had to go in and be a piece of a team, he's just been totally lost. And my guess is like, we like to shit on, on professional athletes sometimes or whatever, but when you're told you're trash for a really long time, as he has been for the last three or four years now, it's got to take a mental toll eventually. He's still a, a human, so... My guess is there's some mental stuff in there at this point, too. Very true. I just love last last part, and I'll drop it. I, I love uh, his 0 for 10 performance, and they said, Hi, yeah, how do you how do you think you played? Pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, 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 what the hell was solid, man? Yeah, I thought it was pretty solid. It was, it was all right. <laughs> like, what the I hell think was solid? Yeah, I think he said it was a good effort. Yeah, I think he said it was a good effort. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> See what I'm missing? I've seen all the highlights in the interviews. I'm not seeing it live, but we'll get there live and tasty. I think this is a good primer for lots of NBA content, so we'll get that going on. 
Tasty and Yanni, pleasure as always. Let's get some more wins here this weekend. Week number eight.